Hello, everyone, and welcome to another video here on the second day in extra on the podcast. Today, we are looking at the Tour de France 2024. The route has been announced. And as always, I'm joined by Patrick Blake of Audu Cycling and one third of the Echelon Cycling Podcast. Obviously, we did a video where we were doing the speculation. And I mean, a lot of the rumors were true, the gravel stage in there and things like that. But yeah, Patrick, you've seen the route. And uh, first thoughts? Uh, I was quite impressed by it. I actually like how it seems like an actual sort of tour of France. You know, it kind of does like a circuit. Sometimes the tour can be a bit prone for or being, it gets scrutinized for not really being a tour of France. It sort of just like focuses in very specific regions. We do miss quite a lot of the north of France, but that's kind of like a flat area. So like we want to keep it around the mountains. So I, I quite like it actually all in all. I think it's got a good variety of stages some really tough ones in there and i think they've done a decent job although we only know the profiles of like some of the stages because that's just a way that the uh, aso likes to work but we'll do our best yeah apparently flat stages don't get given the profile <laughs> it's so weird yeah but nevertheless um as we spoke about in the other video the tour de france is going to italy for the first time and starting in florence and uh, patrick this first stage finishing on Remedy. It's quite a hilly one, to say the least. Seven categorized climbs along the way, and one of the most hilly stages we've had for an opening one, over 3,000 meters of elevation gain. Yeah, 3,600 meters of elevation gain for how most that yeah, there's ever been for an opening stage of a tour. And they say it's more than what we saw in the Basque Country for the opening stage, which Adam Yates won last year. So if that's anything to go by, it should be a fairly attritional day. And I quite like this move away from just sort of quite standard, I don't know, prologue or sort of like a sprint to start. And it's actually kind of the action gets underway straight away. And yeah, I think it's going to be great starting in Florence in, to Rimini. It's going to be a, a beautiful stage to start with next stage we go from Cesenarico, which is the birthplace or oh, oh, very close to marco pantani his hometown and here we have six castrized climbs along the way before we make our way into bologna and the san luca climb which is a feature of the Giro de Emilia, is the last two final climbs 1.9 kilometers at 10.6 percent it's truly a grueling climb and i know this firsthand and i mean patrick again we're on this hilly theme yeah i like how we got the circuit in there as well it just makes it a little bit more of like a a stadium almost like it's not just like a, a climb that's in passing how it'll be done logistically like what if like riders are already dropped i don't really know but that's a, that's a problem for the organizers to do but it looks like you could even have time gaps already on the first two stages if people aren't you know coming into this race firing on all cylinders and then after that on stage three we do get a kind of sprint day finally which is good because you want to get a bit of a mix of stages this finishes in Torini. it's the longest stage of the race i think it's like 226 kilometers something like that and it does end in just kind of like a very classic sprint style stage nothing too much to be concerned about they don't mention anything about wind being a massive factor but this is going to be a pretty standard sprint stage uh, on stage three before we move finally into france on stage four Torini, don't you mean Turin? Oh, well, but, but they put Torini on, on the screen. I just written down what they put. But yeah, uh, stage four, absolutely incredible mountain stage. And we'll finish up Valois uh, after the descent from the Calder Telegraph. Yeah, on here we also have the Calder Galibier, which is the Henri de Grange prize. So Patrick, this is an incredible stage four, to say the least. To have the Henri de Grange prize, the highest point of the race, so far up. 
Yeah. Although I do find it weird because they give us the highest point of a race climb yeah. that we've got. A higher um, one. A higher climb later on. So I don't really get that. But is it? I think it's just a climb that the Galibier has because it's got like some special. But anyway, that is, uh, I'm really looking forward to this stage. Just the fact that it's so unprecedented that we have a big mountain so early in a race you know we've had like an etna in the past in the giro and stuff like that and over the world has done this kind of thing but the tours never really dabbled in this sort of terrain so early on and i really like that they're kind of giving it a bit of a plunge going over galibia that'd be really cool i might even try and get down there for to go on to the galibia so i'm really looking for that yeah pinarola to to valois be a descent finish though down the descent obviously which pidcock absolutely lit up in 20. 22 so we'll wait and see people might i don't know protest about a dangerous finish down there i'm not sure how the stage will go but i'm happy with it nonetheless but then, then we're going to stage five with from saint jean morian and it's going to be a sprint day I, I don't even know what to say about the sprint days what it's just it's going to be a sprint yeah thanks iso <laughs> yep yeah i mean stage six similar flat stage yeah, they say it'll be a drag up to the line, kind of very similar to, I'm kind of presuming a bit like Pedersen's Stage 8 victory from this year, that kind of drag to the line into Dijon, starting in uh, Macron to Dijon for Stage 6. And then Stage 7, we get a, a time trial. Yeah, 25 kilometer time trial. What do you make of this? Uh, Giver, uh, Champetin, they've never been here before. Uh, in the Tour de France history, while it, the finish has been a finishing venue in 2017. Yeah, what do you make of this? Well, again, we haven't got a profile, but yeah. a 25 kilometer time trial is there, there's a bump somewhere along it, a small bump, no? Yeah, but it's, yeah, not, not like crazy, but kind of similar, I guess, to how we had that little bump at the Vuelta TT this year, which Ghana won. There was a little bit of a bump in there. Yeah, 25Ks, it's not the longest between the big GC guys that we're going to have going into this race, Roglic, Remco, Jonas, and Pogaccia. I'd expect there to be kind of like less than 30 seconds difference between most of these guys. It's not going to be deciding GC, but it's cool that we're going to got that we've got another TT in there, because of course there was a bit of I don't know, worry, maybe that that was only going to be the TT at the very end. But we do have two TTs in there. So it does give a little bit of, I don't know, favour towards a Remco, maybe, because he is probably the best of the TT kind of GC riders. But it's all a bit of a much of a muchness, very close between them. And then, yeah, going into stage eight, we go from Samer or or, or Qua to Colomide Desaglis. Big names coming on here. So there's a, there's a lot of just long names going on here. Um, apparently this is going to be a sprint as well. I think um, they didn't really hint towards what it's going to be like, but from the the, the line which is weaving its way across the kind of map, I couldn't really see any hills. So I'm going to go with it probably being a sprint. Uh, yeah. Next uh, is the most northerly point of the race, and I mean this is quite an interesting one. A gravel stage, 32 kilometers, trois to trois. And Patrick, what do you make of this a gravel stage? We were thinking of it. Not much gravel in in the Giro d'Italia, but like the Tour is doing a big job of getting gravel in there. Yeah, they this was used in the Tour de France farm a couple of years ago. 
So they were sort of like oh, the fans' races, kind of like trailblazing the men's race here. And it's not just like one sector of gravel. There's probably I don't I couldn't count exactly, but there's definitely like seven or eight i want to say and they go quite close to the line as well i'd probably say there's gravel sectors inside the last 20 kilometers or so which means that that will probably make an impact on gc of course there's always the speculation of should these things be included or whatever because of punctures and bad luck and whatnot but i quite like it to be honest with you i think that it will be a really cool looking stage and you know it's not just like it's also interesting to see who will come out on top on those sorts of stages the names like van der Poel and van art jump to mind but they can sometimes throw up a bit of a surprise these gravel stages then we have the first rest day in the beautiful city of Orléans, uh, which is one hour away from paris and that's also the start of the next stage which is a flat stage but i will say that despite it being a probably another sprint this has the potential the Loire Valley for crosswinds this area is absolutely riddled with strong winds so it depends what what mood the weather's in and it could be an absolute disaster on the day for some teams well Nairo Quintana is not going to be here so but uh stage 11 uh we were given that stage as well and uh, yeah Patrick what do you make of that it's like a high it's not a high mountain stage it's sort of a softer one it goes from Evo le to Loire which has three climbs in the final bit it's actually the place where uh, Greg Van Havermaet won in 2016 if you remember that he got the yellow jersey and that was ahead of his uh, Rio Olympics win if you remember that stage where it was quite up and down uh, that's pretty much where we're going in this stage to get a bit of a sense as to what the uh, the finish might be like. But then we go into stage 12 from uh, Orhiak to uh, Villeneuve Salot, and that's going to be a sprint again. Um, nothing much to comment on there before we go. Well, actually, we're going to another sprint from uh, Ayen to Po. Last time we went into there, into Po was 2018, where Damar won ahead of Laporte. There was a slight deviation in the sprint at the end, if you guys remember that. was when uh, Laporte was still at Cofidis. And then we go into stage 14, Scott, starting in Po, but it's going to be a bit hillier this time. Hilly, mountainous. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, you've got three categorized climbs along the way. You've got first the Col de Tourmalet reaching its peak at 2,115 meters. Then we dive down and then we go up again to the Oreck de Ancien, San, that is Paul French. And uh, that's 8.2 kilometers at 5.1% before we then have the final climb at 10.6%, averaging 7.9% as well. So yeah, the first half of the the race, fairly simple, and then it really kicks into its own in the second half. What do you make of this? I really like it. I seem to be finding a bit of a formula with, and you see these in a couple of stages this year, is that they have a big mountain and then they kind of descend and then do another one. I feel like they definitely take inspiration from that mega stage where we went Telegraph Galibier and then up the, um, the Grandon, where Pagaccio cracked pretty big time. And I think the Tour's trying to replicate a lot of those. And you see that here, you know, Tourmalet. I think it's really cool. We've got the Tourmalet and the Galibier in one year. That's like two massively iconic climbs. And I think it's definitely set up to be a GC kind of day. Tourmalet should definitely soften up the legs. And I'm intrigued to see what kind of time gaps we're going to get. Because sometimes these stages can really shake up GC big time. And this is backed up the day after. We start off in uh, Ludonville and we go to Plateau de Bay. Uh, again, probably going to be another 
GC day, many mountains. Um, starting with the call the parasaur. That's yeah. start <laughs> starting. I know. Yeah, so, so a big day for KOM classification. Yeah, so that's the first climb at 6.9 kilometers long 7.9 percent good way to warm up i guess and then you've got the col de mate which is 9.3 kilometers and 9.1 percent followed up by another climb 4.3 kilometers along 9.7 percent but this is far out but it's just softening up the legs and then about 60 kilometers from the finish they top another climb that's 10 point 10 kilometers long, averaging 8.2%. And then they got the Plateau de Bay at 15.8 kilometers, averaging 7.9%. So yeah, tough, tough day, to be honest. Yeah, it's going to be really tough. I'll be intrigued to see what happens though, because of course the day before we've got hard GC day and you sometimes don't see GC riders going for back-to-back stages. So maybe one of these will be a breakaway day. Then again, we did, because like, you know, even like uh, last, well, last, I'll say last year, the last edition of a tour, think back to like stage five, stage six, we saw like Hindley win from a break. And then we saw Pogacar and Jonas going head to head on like the, the Tourmalade before Pogacar then won after that. So you generally don't see a GC rider winning both of these. So I'll be intrigued to see which one of these almost gets the uh, the breakaway pass and which one is going to be the GC fight. Then second rest day before we get another flat, stage 187 kilometers into Nîmes. This is where the team time trial should have been. Imagine some teams only having like four riders and then stick in like a 25 kilometer team time trial. But uh, yeah, I mean, two time trials in one week is probably not the best. Stage 17, and this is another, it is like what you say, one of these maybe mid-mountain stages. It like gradually climbs up in the first 70, 80-ish kilometers. And then we get three rise climbs towards the last 30 kilometers. The first one, 6.8 kilometers long, 7.3%. Then we got a 7.5 kilometer long one, 8.4%. And then they drop down before the final climb is 3.8 kilometers at 5.9%. Yeah, what do you make of this? It's quite an interesting kind of stair profile in towards the end. It kind of reminds me of the kind of stage 11, which was like the Van Avermaet stage. It's got that, like you say, the sort of softer profiles towards the end, not like high mountains. So I'm sort of seeing this as a breakaway sort of day. Uh, I don't think the climbs are like massively hard, but the fact that there's not a lot of rest between them, like you say, it's just like up, down, up, down, and then just like up to the finish. Not a lot of respite. So you could definitely see, you know, if some team really takes the race by the scruff of the neck and they just set a hard pace on each of those, you definitely could be in for a GC day as well. But there's not a lot in the first half of the stage to really entice a breakaway going. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. There. I think it could go either way. So stage 18 is going to be a, a flat stage, probably another sprint before we go into stage 19, which is a really, really big one. And it contains the highest climb in the whole of the tour. We go firstly up the Col de Val, which is 18.8 kilometers at 5.7%. So not the steepest of climbs, but then we go up the Col de Bonnet. 22.9 kilometers at 6.9 percent over 2800 meters tall and that's not even the end of the stage ladies and gentlemen that's like halfway through the stage then we descend down and we go up isola 2000 which is 16.1 kilometers at 7.1 percent do you think this is the queen stage scott absolutely it looks terrifying to say the least and uh 
Yeah, still perplexed why it's not the Henri de Grange Prize. Like you said, it's taller than the Col de la Loz this climb as well. We spoke about this in in our speculation video about this. And uh, yeah, do you think we're going to get someone absolutely get blown or like cracking here? One of the GC guys. Absolutely. I think this late into the race, we're, we're just we're proper late into the race here. Stage 19 it's 23 kilometers and it's not like a 23 kilometers where it's like four percent or something like that it, and all there's like a bit of respite in the middle it's all just so continuous and i think somebody's bound to crack there then you've got a big valley afterwards the stage is only 145 kilometers long and then you go at isola 2000 so it's very much like the like the tourmalay stage that we we're talking about earlier where you get that massive climb in the middle and then you get the uh, sort of not as tall climb at the end, but you'll definitely see a lot of GC gaps on this kind of day. It's got Jonas written all over it already, to be honest with you. Jonas is a proper master of these sorts of stages, so I think a lot of the competitors will be quaking in their boots already looking at this style of stage. No rest for the wicked as they start from Nice the next day, and this is kind of a almost... Uh... Greatest hits of Paris-Nice when you look at the three final climbs. Col de Brau is the first one, 10 kilometers long, 6.6% average. Then you go to the Col de Turini, which is 20.7 kilometers long, 5.7%. And then you got the Col de la Comienne, 7.5 kilometers long, averaging 7.1%. And then you got the Col de Quayol, 15.7 kilometers at 7.1%. Absolutely crazy stage this. Yeah, I love how it's really going to force the GC riders to uh, really dig deep in this last part, because especially since, you know, the next stage isn't just like the sort of Paris procession kind of stage. Like, this is going to be three stages which are going to be raced at the end. There's going to be no resting up there's going to be kind of no letting off the gas this is a certain stage where if you lost time the day before you could go in the breakaway and definitely do a little bit of a raid and try and get up the road in the break there's going to be satellite riders galore it's only 133 kilometers long so the tour is definitely favoring these real short high impact style of stages and like you say there's just some massive categorized climbs it's a paris nice showcase maybe you'll see a lot of riders going to paris nice this year to uh well kind of prepare for it who knows and i think I, I love how it's still a big fight up until the end and you know then we're gonna have the stage 21 tt of course after this which is starting in monaco which is, I think, really cool. And I'm sure a lot of riders will be quite happy with that because a lot of riders live in Monaco. And then we go to Nice, and that's the final stage. That is 34 kilometers. And like we said in our preview of a preview, where we were looking at the like the rumors, this was one of the rumored stages. You know, we, we've known this one for a while. Tough TT. It's not just a flat one. There are some big climbs in here. Be very interesting to see if it's sort of tt bikes or road bikes but yeah last time we had you know a tt to proper finish off you know everyone remembers the 1989 Fignon versus le monde i think it'd be really cool if the battle is still quite close at this point but with the previous mountain stages i'm not sure how close it's going to be at this point scott yeah true it is quite an interesting one though because when you look at it 
starting in Monaco, like you said, but then it already starts climbing from about one kilometer into it up the La Topian, which is an 8.1 kilometer climb, 5.6%. Then it goes down a bit. And then we're at the top of the Caldez and then down the Caldez into Nice. And uh, that could be some crazy speeds going that down that climb, no? Yeah, especially when you consider that it's it's a fairly technical descent and whether a rider might prefer a road bike because it's just got better handling than a a TT bike with that massive, you know, disc wheel at the back might be a little bit trickier to control. And yeah, it's kind of the, the trade-off of are you going to sort of want that extra aero advantage on the final few kilometers, which, you know, you're going to be hitting warp speed going down there, like 80 k's an hour, probably on TT bike. I think that a lot of people will probably take a TT bike, even though it's not quite as favorable at the climb and maybe a little bit twitchy on the descent. I think that people will probably favor that and just sort of put the big boy cleats on and just kind of like full send it down the descent and just unplug your brain a little bit. Well, that's kind of the route. And I mean, what do you think of this route? I think it's quite a comprehensive route. I quite like it, to be honest. Uh, obviously, having outdoors in there would have been a good one, but you can't have everything. I think they've had a lot of components. I'm a lot more satisfied about this route than I am the Giro route, to say the least. You've got gravel stage, you've got t- time trials, you've got hilly time trials as well at the end. It, it's... It's very different. And yeah, mountain stage and stage four. I would have liked a team time trial, but we all know I keep banging on about that. But as you said, it's very wholesome in terms of France. Most of France is covered. Italy has a really nice Grand Depart as well. So yeah, it's a, it's a 10 for me. Well, 9.5 because of the team time trial. Yeah, I think it's super cool. I love the inclusion of the big climbs, the Tourmalet, the Galibier the bonnet it's all just i feel like it's definitely stepped up like a a level from previous tours and i'm very excited for how this route's gonna go i'm actually more excited about yeah this route upcoming than i was for the tour de france just gone this year i think that you know this is gonna this could be a real one for the ages uh, so long as hopefully fingers crossed every single rider arrives there in like peak top condition and we get a nice fair fight love it can't wait anyways that is basically it for us it's been quite a long one and uh, make sure to comment down below who you think is going to win this tour de france i didn't do predictions on purpose but uh yeah hit the like button subscribe to the channel here on the cycling dane extra check out the echelon cycling podcast and of course patrick's own channel i'll do cycling and thank you for watching and we will see you around